What is good, everybody? Welcome back into the Four Mandalore podcast. We are back again with Jesse and T-Bob. My name is Nick, and we are so excited to break down The Mandalorian, Season 2, Episode 2. Guys, we're going to give our first kind of big picture take on it. We're going to start with Jesse, then go to T-Bob. I'll give mine. And then we'll kind of just go through the episode, break down what we liked, some Easter eggs we found, and what made it a good time. So, uh, Jesse, can we start with your kind of big picture takeaway from this episode? Yeah, I'm just off take the first shot at it. Uh, my big picture takeaway is, first of all, they are fully invested in the in the budget and the, in the effects because I really thought, you know, T. Bob pointed it out to me, but I thought a really cool moment was when he's about to get pulled over and they, you know, they pop open those wings. <laughs> There's just uh, the X wings pop open. It just says so much. Um, I liked the character. I liked the new character, the little kind of frog, almost baby alligator looking lady who, who was, uh, you know, transporting her, her, her spawn. Uh, I thought the episode really was good. And, you know, I wish the, the, the storyline would have moved a little more, but overall I really liked it a lot. And I think that's my own just wanting more rather than it actually being very much of a critique. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with a lot of those points. T-Bob, what did you take away from it? Uh, I, I I don't know what it was, man. Again, I just kind of fell head over heels for this episode. Uh, it, it had so much that I liked. Um, one, well, okay, so so the highlight to me, I guess the core would be that ultimately this was the most that Baby Yoda, uh, that the child has actually starred in uh, an episode and, and, and both in terms of like, just like scenes that he's in and actual movement, right? Like free movement, like walking around, like doing a lot more things than we normally see. And, uh, and because of that, I think there's a ton of great Mando and Yoda relationship development. Um, we always talk about the soundtrack. I think that when you see the child and all the child scene with the eggs, um, Ludwig, that's not his name. What's his name? Why am I blanking again? I should yeah, know. Ludwig, Ludwig Gorenson. Gorenson. Yes. I think, I think Gorenson does this incredible, like John Williams kind of imitation. You know how John Williams has those like little, like magical, like kind of like dings or like bells or something. I, I, I can't really ever put my, yeah, my, my, yeah. my thumb on it, but he nailed that when it came to some of these Yoda scenes. So I love all the Yoda stuff. I love him and Mando. I love flying in star wars and so the t65 x-wing scenes we'll talk about it way more later those are great i fell in love with the frog woman i've got a lot of thoughts there and ultimately i thought this gave us some really interesting insight into the post empire galaxy and for the first time ever i'm excited because i feel like there may actually be some meaning attached behind things like the new republic and the first order and these, you know, these sequel concepts that are just completely devoid of any development at this point. And so, yeah, I, I loved a ton about this episode. I'm super excited to talk about it more. So I, I really got to agree with you on the music part right there. Um, I think when you're seeing Baby Yoda go throughout um, like that cave and looking for those the eggs of the spiders and also looking at um, the frog lady's eggs. Those are all like he does this like one little theme yes. throughout both of those yes. segments. That's really great. But, you know, minus the minutia stuff, the big picture stuff, I thought that this episode teaches us that essentially 
what we believe and think to be filler in this series so far doesn't necessarily have to be that, right? We see a bunch of callbacks to season one, episode six. You know, that episode that T-Bob, you and I at the time thought was like a filler episode. We thought it was something that didn't really have any big picture meaning in the series. But it turns out that's what saves his ass in this episode. So we learn that this series is not going to be one that's going to leave loose ends too often. And when they do stuff that seems inconsequential or filler, they may tie it back in. And that was my big picture takeaway from the series. Okay, Jesse, then I have a question for you because that's a great point by Nick there. Uh, Jesse, you're good, I think, at a lot of these, like I always talk about these big picture threads. And Nick, you feel free to chime in as well, and I'll start to rack my brain, but like, what would be the things in this episode that y'all think could potentially be revisited down the road and kind of reused? I, I thought Yoda, little baby Yoda, like Nick is alluding to earlier, kind of being uh, drawn to these eggs and, and the life force from these eggs. Maybe this has something with advancing him uh, in age. Cause I think he's like 50 years old or something, yeah. you know, in time. Yeah, and, and, you know, he kind of sensed them with the force. He was drawn to them. Um, I don't know exactly where we're going to go. I do think that we're going to get more new Republic interaction. Like you're not just gonna go an entire season with only one X-wing interaction or interaction in this new republic, where you know instead of uh, the, the Empire patrolling the galaxy, it's the New Republic. So what is that like, and and what does that look like? I, I can't help but think too is as he's running from those thing, uh, the X-wings in the Razor's Crest, and it, it's kind of like. You know, two cheetahs prowling down on, I don't know, like a, <laughs> a wildebeest. Uh, oh, yeah, something yeah, that yeah, is, yeah. Something that's got a shot. You know, it may, like when you're looking at it, it's a nice. Dude, a, a, will, a wildebeest got a shot. A wildebeest yeah, yeah, might get away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking a, a, a Cinderella in the Sweet 16 shot here, you know. And, but I did like how they're like, you know, I think about it kind of today and, and you get pulled over, you're asked to. You know, get out of the car, do all these things. They're like, hey, man, don't make me blast your entire spaceship, <laughs> you know, like out of the sky. They're like, please don't make me do this. Uh, but I did like I do think we're going to get more interaction with uh, the New Republic. I think potentially a Luke Skywalker interaction, um, you know, big picture, just kind of thinking wild thoughts. But, you know, I just think we're going to get more New Republic. I mean, surely Luke's name has to come up at some point. That would be so badass. Yeah, um, no question. I, I, I think that the, the, the T-65 X-Wing seeing um, also does an interesting thing in this post-Empire age where you kind of get this, look, authority is authority no matter what, right? And so here we see the Republic in power and the Republic being the ones basically being the space cops and pulling people over and checking them out. And now, now it, it also shows how the Republic, and it's like a negative, right? Mando doesn't want to get pulled over by the Empire, doesn't want to get pulled over by, by the Republic. Uh, what it also does is show some of the differences therein, though. If that was the Empire, I think it would have been shoot first, ask questions later, right? I think yeah. the Republic, it is more, it, they definitely reinforce more of a Wild West sort of feel, letter of the law. There's a power vacuum. We got to make some more discerning decisions at times. And so I love how. 
they used the justification to let Mando go at the end. Like you were saying, Nick, taking advantage of that prison break episode and pointing out what happened in that episode and why Trapper Wolf would let him live, which, by the way, did Dave Filoni do all of this just so he could make himself an X-Wing pilot named Trapper Wolf? Yeah, I know. That was pretty incredible. I mean, has everything I mean, been building to that? That is the most badass name I've ever heard for an X-Wing pilot, dude. But why wouldn't you? I mean, he is an absolute true fan, a real fan of Star Wars. Yes. And you got your shot. It's kind of like when you're playing an event at like a hotel and you get a, a block of rooms. And then there's <laughs> always that one upgrade for the, you know, the person that's planning. Well, you know, you're going to get that King Sweet <laughs> in the corner pocket. He deserves you know? it, dude. He yeah, earned it. it. He earned it. Jesse, you would appreciate uh, also a little Easter egg. He named a character in Rebels something Wolf. I'm pretty sure. Um, I pulled that from uh, some of the recent Awesome's breakdown video this episode. But. Um, so I, I I loved the so so I I loved seeing them pull them over. I loved I really truly loved when they were like, all right, switch over to channel two. And then he goes silent and man, is that like dead air? And then. S, S foils in attack position and you kind of knew it was on and this is when it hit me that the Razor Crest is the minivan of Star Wars <laughs> it'll, it'll, I, know, I, know, I know I've talked to both y'all about this already it'll get you from point A to point B they have very similar body shapes very spacious a lot of room for storage uh, practical storage um, they both come with kids they handle better than you think uh, even if it's not too flashy and, 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 and yeah, I just, I, I, I can't get it out of my head and I have now renamed my own Toyota Sienna, the Razor Crest. I was about to say, this is kind of like something I hear on 104.5, uh, <laughs> During Real talk though, dude. I don't know if I'm just trying. I I I can't get it out of my head. I, I I'm I've been listening to that soundtrack so much when I drive around that I really feel like I'm out there flying the Razor Crest. I mean, it even comes. I even have a kid in the back. So I, I thought, dude, the flying scenes with the sky and Mando's moves and how he almost pulled it off with that like drop reverse maneuver. It was. I, I thought that was all spectacular. <laughs> they were like, "Hey, were you at a prison break?" Uh, any times recently, and he was like, he just hits it. Whoop. He just hits yeah, it. gravity drop. You know, he just floored it down. The little frog lady was so funny too. She was like, "What the heck is going on?" I love so she's going to end so, up being a huge character, right? I, I, I that's that, that's uh, what I was say. Like, I was getting into my like my uh, conclusions for what is going to follow from this episode. Like I said, how episode six and season one kind of had some consequences here. I think that you're going to see definitely the cop out answer is it's obviously going to lead to the resolution in the next episode where he finds out where the Mandalorians are at. But also I, I think that the loyalty that he's built from this lady and the husband is probably going to transfer to them potentially having an impact later Dude, on. Dude, well, okay, what, what is her connection? She's she's too competent, Jesse. She's got too much of a skill set. Well, and God, her Lee, story is too crazy. She, like, like she, she me, has some sort of knowledge or something. Look, when she pieced together that uh, that droid so she could talk, that was very impressive. That, that was, tells you something. That yeah, tells you something. You don't just pick that up. You know, that takes Bro, some schooling. Okay, let's let's talk about her and everything she did. So not only did she hack that machine, 
um, when she was bathing and they had to go, the first sign where I was like, oh, she might be a badass. And she she immediately tongues her clothes super competently, grabbed them with her tongue, yeah, boom, yeah. dressed. Then, don't forget, as they're running, my wife's sitting there, Caitlin's sitting there like, she's going to die, she's going to die. And then she starts fucking hopping. And it was like, oh, dude, it made me so happy, dude. It At was first, so yeah, I thought sick, it was weird, dude. but then I kind of dug it. It was so sick. That's what aliens should do. They should move in weird ways, yeah. right? No, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it, adds, it adds to the vibe of the character, and I then, think. And then the what biggest... did y'all think about her bathing in her own eggs? I was kind of grossed out about no that. No way. Well, dude, the, the, the problem with that warm, was that like, she, right? she had the container and it was like, that they were gonna die if they didn't get warm. Yeah. So she had to take him to the hot spring. She's competent, dude. She's weird. competent. She's on the run for some reason, smuggling herself. So what is is she wanted by the Empire, by the First Order? Who knows? Or Empire, or what? Whatever. Is she one of the good well, guys? The la- this is the last of her species. She's on a. She's on a. Uh, Wait, I thought it was like the well, last of her family line. It's last of the line. So yeah. her species is still alive. But uh, okay, so it wasn't line. that heavy. Uh, but she's been through the. She's no, been through the dude, you thought Baby Yoda just ate like four of the last of the species? <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. And then, okay. But we still haven't mentioned her biggest part. We still haven't mentioned her biggest part, dude. She saved Baby Yoda's life with three incredibly placed shots. Baby Yoda had three spiders on him, on him, yeah. and she pop, 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 popped him right off with a gun yeah, that you never that knew a, she had the entire time. A little more than meets the eye, for sure. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I, well, I mean, I'm wondering why she's on the run. I like how she called to the Mandalorian code, like the yes. honor and this kind of... And and Mando is developing a true sense of, of, of honor, in my opinion. You know, he's... He's no longer a bounty hunter. He's going up beyond what hero choices are making, right? You know, he he saves this lady. He agrees to bring her on the ship. He's, you know, if these were eggs were so important, though, I would have at least liked to see him try to keep it away from the the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the little hungry the pit the, bull in the, the corner, hungry little gremlin. Dude, I was getting some. Uh, what, what's the character from Major Fut- Gizmo vibes? Yeah, what's the character from Futurama? Uh, Niffler, the little, the little cute little thing that like eats everything and then poops out black matter. I don't know, whatever. But getting some major vibes. I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I can't remember the name though. Um, meat one. It, no, no, oh god, I just love that. Okay, but okay, okay, okay. Uh, so I thought she was fantastic, and I think that she is going to have a big role, and maybe not like as a recurring character, but potentially as like she has a critical piece of information beyond just connecting a Mandalorian dot. Um, I, I think her story goes deeper than that. Uh, also, as, as, as far as Star Wars excuses go, I kind of I, I can buy not going to light speed because of the eggs. I'm like, all right, sure, that makes whatever. I'll accept that. I'm into that. I'm okay with that. Now that I kind of buy into the Nick's um, idea that you know, but maybe seem as fillers not. And T Bob is saying is, you know, we're building out a big world here. I mean, we're not just creating these. Um, you know, plot uh, machinations, right? We're yes. just we're creating a world, yeah. and so I'm with it. Nick, what did you think about the opening scene where he is re- returning back to uh, the mechanic and he gets ambushed? So that uh, the the part where he meets the mechanic is kind of where I have a criticism episode, but 
the part where he gets ambushed, I think, is like vintage, if you can call it vintage, like vintage Mandalorian. Like it's it's the perfect open. Like it's exactly how I want to see every Mandalorian episode open for the rest of time. Is he gets into a seemingly desperate situation and just absolutely waxes them, like just completely like pull some trickery, like where you kind of don't see it coming. Like I didn't see the fact that like he gave the jetpack away and then he could control it and make him fly all around. I didn't like connect those dots. Maybe just because I've it's been a while since I've been into the series, but I really loved that open, uh, and I think every episode just start out like that. I think it was really funny when uh, he flew away. I mean, I thought he was maybe just going to shoot him or something, right? But then he flies yeah, away that, and that's he kills too. him. Yeah. And then Baby Yoda's reaction was very fun to me. Also, Jesse, it does reinforce something that you have pointed out multiple times, which is like Baby Yoda is growing up in an uber-violent environment because he thought that shit was <laughs> hilarious, dude. He thought it was really funny when that guy died like that. And then Mando just gave him that like shoulder shrug, like, hey, I don't know, dude. It's <laughs> like, it's it what it is. Well, and it, it definitely had, first of all, the speeder bike sounded great. It was hauling ass. And the sound it, was very, yeah, the sound was awesome. And, Staying and on his like, feet by using the jetpack was tight. And yeah. the, uh, and then that was that, the old return of the Jedi when they pulled the, the rope to kind of trip up the speeder bike. Mando kicked in the jet. The jetpack's like a little speeder bike airbag. <laughs> can like react to it, and it's he really made an excellent landing. Yeah. After that, you know, and then once Baby Yoda's life got put in danger, I thought that you got a good hard look at uh, Din Djarin's, uh He's gonna kill you. He's gonna go. Uh, oh, yes. I forget the actor's name. Taken. And the movie Taken, he's going to go, I'm going to hunt you down and and nowhere in the galaxy is going to kill you. So I have a feeling that that there's going to come an instance where he's going to really lose it when something happens to Baby Yoda. Yeah, exactly. It, it felt like foreshadowing because I do not think that – I mean, I, I feel like they, they're making that relationship so strong. They're going to be separated at some point. I don't know yeah, he's going to have to do that. He's going to have to find him. I did love how he tell him like, and the guy was in such a hopeless situation. How Mando laid it out, like if you kill that baby, it accomplishes nothing. Like you're just signing your own death warrant, so you have yeah. no actual leverage here. I think his line, like I'm paraphrasing, but it's kind of like, "There's no place in the galaxy you'll be able to hide." Yeah, like that. I'm not gonna be able to get to you, which is I, I thought for the open of an episode, like that's incredibly like strong. Like I, I loved it. Very bold. the Liam Neeson line. Yeah. What did y'all particular skill skills? I also wanted to highlight the series' impeccable comedic timing with the way the jetpack comes back to Mando, how it like kind of goes like going back and it hits the ground and dink. The dink <laughs> like, yeah, the, like the dink at the end is really special. So apparently, the guy who directed this, I looked it up. Man, I wish I'd remember his name because it is a new director in the Mandalorian. Uh, uh, Peyton Reed. Crew. Peyton Reed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, did the I, I have a, right? He did Ant-Man. Yeah, I have he, a tie-in. I have a tie-in to that, but T-Bob, go To Ant-Man? No, go ahead. Well, he, uh, I'm kind of like skipping around on our timeline here, but like, you know, the character that uh, uh, Peli Motto, yeah, the, the, the that she plays. playing? Yeah, she's playing. It, it's, an, it's a giant ant. Oh yeah. my God, I didn't even think that, about that, was, that um, dude. It's a call out to Ant-Man. Yeah, that was another uh, take I got from Emergency Awesome video, which um, I thought was... So awesome. he did Ant Man. Do you know what else he directed? Uh, Bring it on! Really? Yeah. What a talented, <laughs> what a what a very talented man. Uh, but anyway, he did spectacular. Um, I okay. So what what y'all think about 
the mechanic scenes. And that's Amy Sedaris, right? Yes. I finally noticed why she looks so odd. She has no eyebrows. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You pointed that out. I never, I never realized that. Yeah. What did y'all think about that scene? Because I know, I, I think we were kind of lukewarm it, it, it on her last the, time. That's the, where, that's where I get into my critique, uh, guys. Is I don't, I don't mean to like be a Debbie Downer, but to me, it just feels a little convenient that like he, the only source in the galaxy that he could find was this one dude, and he turned out not even to be a Mandalorian. But then he comes back to the cantina. And it turns out the only other person in the galaxy who could tell him where the Mandalorian was at is playing cards with. The- well, maybe not the only, but yes, one of the very few. One of the very yeah, and few. It, yeah, and to me, it just feels a little, a little too convenient. But you got to suspend your disbelief a little bit. When well, so it. here's my interpretation of the scene, though. Did the ant actually say any of that? Or was the mechanic just mining contacts the entire time and she's the one who dug up this other contact for Mando after she heard what he was looking for? Because well, that aunt, is where the frog um, person's name is. Uh, is Dr. Mandible is the aunt's name. He was in... It's a great name. His yeah, actual is. name it, is Dr. Mandible. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Mandible is his name. And uh, he... So what he do actually, the- <laughs> Never mind. That's good. Yeah, I'm just accepting. Okay. <laughs> He was in season one, episode five, and he was in the cantina as like an extra. So he's kind of been here. Before. That's what I'm saying. I but, I, but, but I mean, but, I, but do we have any proof that he said any of what the mechanic was telling us he said? Because Mando didn't speak Ant. I don't think Mando don't speaks Ant. And so to me, she just used Mando to get more money in the pot, win the pot, and then be like, oh, he, you know, I think she just manipulated. She's got... Look, she is surviving in a post-empire world, right? As as a as a single woman business owner, um, a mechanic, nonetheless. Like it's it's got to be it's brutal out there. Like she said, she it's, it's been brutal if you like leave the city limits and stuff, right? So she is a level of competency to her too. When she hears that Mando's looking for other Mandalorians, I think she puts her feelers out there. And Frog Lady is what she came back with. Because cause the ant's Dude, like, I, oh, I he'll, she'll meet you at the hangar. Why would the ant, you know, why would the ant send her to the hangar, right? Like, uh, to me, that was just her kind of uh, engineering that entire situation. Dude, I, I'm, I'm putting that together now that you say it. And it makes perfect sense to me. Because before I thought it was just kind of like a forced plot element. But now that I've realized that she said, oh, uh, I just met her 10 minutes ago. And... He's like, wait, I thought you said you could bet your life on it. <laughs> yeah, and, no, and he's like, she's full of it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that, I, I honestly, because I, maybe I was kind of. She was like, I have great instincts or something like that. I yeah, have. yeah. And I like, I, maybe I was putting the mechanic a little bit too far on the good side for me because she was so friendly to Baby Yoda and like fixing the ship or whatever. But I really, now that you bring that up, I think she may not have the nicest intentions. Well, I don't even yeah, know if the intentions are bad. that world being super nice. I, I mean, think she is I think she is opportunistic and she got Mando to pay her for that information just with a little poker ruse. Like she like he he was like that's pretty fucking expensive and she was like just call it, okay? No, I did like uh, one of my favorite little dialogues too when she was like, "Oh gosh, you met another Mandalorian and you killed the guy." And he's like, "No, no, no." <laughs> yeah. He's like, "No, he wasn't a Mandalorian. I bought it." 
She's like, I mean, how with what? He's like, what did set you back? He's like, I killed the crate dragon. <laughs> oh, is that like, it? Is that all? <laughs> is that it? Oh my god, dude! How good did the, the dragon. dragon meat look, though, dude? Look good. Oh, oh it dude, it looks so delicious. Looks good, and it, it looked like greasy, nice little, you know. Another great robot jet. call out, right? That old. That's an old. Uh, is that an old New Hope robot? I know that's an old. Yeah, original I, trilogy I, I did some digging on that one, and it's uh, the Treadwell droid, and he was in the the scene in new hope it should and be. r5 the red droid was um yeah he's got the bad motivator scene, yeah so it should also be noted that in two episodes we've had two cooking around the campfire scenes are we gonna go for a third uh mm-hmm. we had the one with the with the uh with the sand people now we had the cooking around the campfire that western campfire eating the dragon meat you know, this this version, it's the Star Wars version, you know, one's a jet All back, all back. fantasies, all all, all fantasy needs a a respite for the adventures, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I love I love those kind of down scenes. So you learn so much a lot of times too in those in those scenes. Maybe not this these in particular, but you know, they, they really are. You learn more about the characters and, and you get to see more about the world. I mean, they really are building out the world. They are building out the world, and that's something that Filoni has now been doing for years and years and years. And like I said, I'm I'm hoping that he could do the same thing in terms of world development that he did with the prequels for the sequels. That's a huge order, but we'll see what he can do. Um, okay, so Mando Crash Lands. Actually, real quick before that, back to the T-65 scene. Uh, did y'all realize that we finally got the Catholic response? Have we ever had the Catholic response in canon? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, because he says, um, "May the force be with you," and then he says, "And also with you." I feel like I've made that joke, like I've said that to people my entire life, just yeah. out of habit, and and like, is that Jesse? Do you know? Is that the first time that that interaction has happened in canon? I don't. I it might be. I mean, it's the first time that. It's happened to me in my in my own brain a million times. Yes, exactly, the, uh, exactly. But yeah. I don't know if that's like a a product of Louisiana or something, like a product <laughs> of all like the Catholicism surrounding us. And also, well, with I wanted you. To, I wanted to talk about that because you know previously that's just kind of been a joke, you know. Yes, it's kind of like you know just something to make fun of, but like that's act. It, it it happened. It got said. It's world class writing. I know that. <laughs> okay, yeah. so I mean, these yeah. guys are writing. These guys are just got some sharp pencils, man. Um, okay, so so Mando crashes. It looks like he pulls that badass escape to the clouds, backwards move, and then he crashes the, the, through the, the flight end. fight was awesome. Yes, the, the dog fight was amazing. It was. It was. It was, that, it was like, cinema. I mean, dog cinema fight, quality. Scene, yeah, but. it was cinema quality, dude. I mean, just through and through. I thought he was done for, dude. When they, he he gets in some pretty hopeless situations. When he walked down and looked at his, the Razor Crest, that thing had a freaking hole the size of T Bob in it, man. So, yeah, I mean, so that that's, thing, so, I mean, it was done. So that's what I thought this episode did a good job Metal of, freezing. which is hard to do. It's like we know he's going to get out of it, right? But I still felt, I felt that tension, I felt that anxiety because his situation looked so bad. When you see that ship like cracked in half and they wake up and they've been knocked out and it's like freezing in there. I Yeah, it felt like they were done. And she gives that speech, man, and he gets on his 
his mechanic skills are incredible. He walks out there with like an old school metal tough guy uh, toolbox. I mean, I looked at this thing and be like, guys, we're done. We better start. You He's know? out there with a with a monkey wrench trying to. Yeah. <laughs> trying well, dude, to I like think like loaded I mean, it's kind of funny because you know you could say oh it was a montage or whatever, but they only show him zap like one thing. He's a blue collar guy. He's a millwright union guy walking out there. You know, this guy, you know, Mando, Mando has put a lot of days work in to get where he is today for sure. Well, and also he has built the razor crest back from scratch. Him and Quill did. Does the razor crest yeah, have a yeah, gun yeah. on it? Uh, Does it have a weapon? Yeah, I think we've seen him fire, haven't we? I want to say we have, yeah. Um, yeah, he blows up somebody like early on at the beginning of one episode. I want to say one time. Yeah. Wait. Um, okay. So a little quill shout out. So the woman, uh, Nick or somebody, I don't know. Somebody needs to look up her name so we can give her credit. But the woman who played quill in the suit, that was voiced by Nick Nolte played the frog lady this episode. So that's pretty cool. Um, if anybody is a fan of avatar, the last airbender, um, D Bradley Baker voiced the frog lady. And he was also the voice of Appa and Momo in Avatar. I did not know that. Did you know who else he was the voice of that I heard? Uh, all the clones in the Clone Wars cartoons. Yeah, yeah. He's had a lot of he's had a lot of roles in Star Wars. Man, the voice actors are finally getting their due with the Mandalorian. Yeah, man. these guys good. have put in a lot of work. Um. Okay. Okay. So then we have the bath scene. We kind of talked about some of it. I thought that the spiders really worked for me. As a villain, um, I thought oh, it was, it was very, like a, they, it was they scared legit me. scared me. Yes. Yeah, that scared was a me. horror scene. That was a horror movie scene. That kind of bathtub scene when you're at your most vulnerable. You're yep. just, a, you know, you're just a sitting duck. And those <laughs> things, I'm just freaked out by. I would one of the worst things in my life I can imagine is having a thousand little spiders running at me. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I love the. It definitely look. I, I really like uh, some of the alien movies, right? And it had a great alien type of vibe. I love how it kind of turned on a dime, where you had the child and you're seeing Baby Yoda move like you've never seen him move before. He's like walking through the snow, doing all this stuff, and they've got that Gunnarsson's doing that magical John Williams impression. And it's all so sweet, and they crack open the egg, and you're kind of like, okay, this is getting a little weird. And then he brings out this like kind of horrible looking spider thing and he eats it. The music's still nice. And then you basically realize that you're fucked. And then the big daddy comes in. I liked how it looked like you were going to get away and the big daddy just belly flopped. One of the yeah, giant spiders yeah. just straight up said, nah, not today. Not yet. Uh -uh. And if you ever thought Yoda species was like a vegetarian species, these dudes are carnivores, yeah. man. Yeah. They are, they, he is just eating things. He's a predator. And I love the the tie-in to to Baby Yoda and the Yoda species, like all being all about food. Because you think about that episode, uh, I forget where it's at in the original trilogy, but Yoda's on Dagobah. Yes, when you first, it, it, it's I mean, it's an empire. It's when he first lands yeah. on Dagobah, and Yoda's just acting like a weird little little gremlin, like digging through all of Luke's shit. And Luke's like, "Oh, come on, don't do that. What are you doing? Oh, geez, I'm looking for Master Yoda." <laughs> I was like, wow, I want some snacks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, lo I love that. <laughs> I did also like, and I was thinking to myself, because when he was running, 
I was like, use the fire, use the fire. Like these guys don't know that. And when he lit them up with the fire, I was always like, that's good. Wait, so is that the first time that Mando has ever used the flamethrower effectively? No, he's uh, from what I heard, he's used it in every episode of the series. But has it ever actually worked? I mean, it's been used to silence people multiple times, but it didn't do shit against the mud horn. I I, I feel like I saw a meme the other day. I can't remember all the different times, but it's like Mando always uses it and it never works out. And this time it absolutely worked, dude. When he flamed them up. Yes, perfect perfect weapon for the swarm of the spiders. Yeah, definitely. And he's just a little uh, resourceful little guy, runner, too. He uses, he's, he's a good ninja, man. He uses his environment. He throws the little, little, uh, little sticky grenades, grenades, sticky grenades that just kills. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he, he was playing for keeps. Yeah. He's, a, he's always in the game, man. He's always, he's never out of it. I, I really, so I, it's funny. I said I loved the Mando Yoda stuff, and we've hardly talked about the relationship. I mean, you saw definitely at the beginning when he was kidnapped, the Lynx Mando's willing to go. But the scene that I love, because it was, we're so used to seeing Mando in these kind of superhuman situations. And I loved when he catches Baby Yoda eating the eggs. And he's just kind of like, oh, shit. Like, oh, like, oh, like, he's Stop. like, yeah, Stop. like, no, 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 you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. And then later in the episode, when Yoda is, I think, at the bathtub, and he's looking yeah, at the yeah. pool, and he's going for the egg, and you just see Mando's finger come in, and he's like, no. And he hits that finger, and he hits that like yeah. finger wave. And as a parent, like I'm like, oh man, okay, I. I mean, we're full blown toddlers. Yes, yeah. like I've been there. Like I'm going through that with my kid right now, trying to learn how to get them to listen to me. And here, Mando's having to do the same thing with Baby Yoda. That was it's like his tone of voice kind of sold it too. He's like, no, no. What do y'all think about the little baby Yoda noises, the little toddler type noises? There's some mixed so opinion dude. out there on that. Wait, why? What are they not like? I think some people think it's just a little too much. A little, uh, I guess I'm cheesy, but what know, else would a baby sound like? He's a little cute. I little don't thing. know. What do they want? <laughs> he just sounds like like like. Think about Yoda's voice, and then just babyfy it. I mean, it's and he, he he he's he's just. Like you said, it's it's what else you want him to sound like. Here's the like, question. Here, well, whatever. I mean, that's uh, whatever. And people, people, if you don't like, it, you don't like. It. Yeah, that's cool, but. Uh, will the child speak English is the much more important question. I think what, what makes me not bite on that idea is that even if this thing goes like, I don't know, like five more seasons, Yoda's not going to be, the child's not going to be old enough to really even be talking that. <laughs> Unless he ate those time, growth yeah. accelerating eggs, like Jesse yeah, said. yeah, yeah. Something <laughs> like well, that T-Bar, happened. Hey, you said it. He ate the eggs. You've never seen him move like that as he's kind of waddling through the snow, eating that white crab or whatever that just looks so gross. He just <laughs> so nasty, crunched man. that exoskeleton like it was nothing. But it, but it looked like he truly loved it. It's like when you but watch I, like I a lizard eat a fly this. or something. There's like, oh, nom, yeah. Nom, nom. I mean, he, he could have some like hyper hyper metabolism. He just needs to eat all the time. Just I do get yes, shit. I get that feeling that that he is. I mean, who knows? They they could really do now. It depends on how kind of kind of like convenient they want to get with the plot. But you don't really know any about Yoda's species. You could have some sort of accelerated something. They reach a certain point, then it starts to accelerate. Maybe as they age, it accelerates. Like I, I there's or you get a time skip. 
I'm always down Maybe. for a time skip. But you got to have some really epic moments first. Time skip is like have, a like, final and season. Maybe not thing. like a super long one. You know, they've done it a couple times. And, you know, Rebels had a few, you know, little time skips. Yeah. So there's ways to kind of cut ahead. Um, I wanted to say that I, I thought I thought about, well, I, I guess I didn't think about, well, I, I did think about Rebels a lot of this episode because Jesse, I know we kind of talked about on the phone, but I'm not sure the spiders. Were those on Lethal around that force being that uh, that Kanan and 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 Ezra were talking to? Like, have we seen those spiders before? And then weren't those spiders also in the Ice Cave episode with Fulcrum and uh, the big cat guy? What's his name? I can't remember. Like, I, I feel like that was Filoni bringing some of his animal creations to the to the big screen. Yeah, that could definitely have been that. Um, I know that they had that that Batu is that kind of force, um, you know, originator kind of animal, um, you know, out that lives outside of the force, but is very in touch with it. He was protected by some kind of spider crawler type uh, yes. animals. And I think the other one was as well. I think he just likes it. I think um, it's a good look. It's kind of got that uh, Lord of the Rings feel too, where they're you know, running for their lives in the, in the spider cave. Uh, and then you get a great, a great save, a great rescue, true desperation. I felt the desperation in the razor crest. Were you not stressed when that spider's like little mandible was like an inch above baby Yoda's head. It was just lining up to just like dig into his brain. Well, I kept thinking, I kept thinking we were going to get our like, you know, our little plot armor that they use with a baby Yoda that where he just did a hyper uh, force push or something, you know, I thought like, he was going to pull a mind control thing. And so I was I was happy that he actually did not. Or like a lightning. I, I yeah, I, we should actually mention that because it that, that was a nice kind of subversion of some stuff that they've done in the past. Right. Where Yoda in the kind of oh no, we're in big, big trouble moments. Yoda, like whether it's the mud horn or the flames at the end of season one, Yoda has saved the day when Mando is quite literally about to die. And yeah. so to be there again, and this time for them to be saved by something completely outside of their control and by the New Republic does kind of strengthen Mando's bonds with the New Republic in a way. And like I said, I, I think it, I mean, it adds some excellent, um, context to to kind of where star wars is going in this sequel era i mean he even mentions the new republic correctional corps when talking about the officer that mando tried to save so uh that's a good point just i really like that they didn't just lean on baby yoda kind of saving the day there now you you brought that up earlier when we talked about like how he got stopped and how they're building this legacy or this this new narrative brick by brick and i think this was just another kind of step towards that uh, so the frog lady was played by Misty Rosas, who also played uh, Queel in season one. So what a beast. Uh, you're awesome. Shout out, Misty. Um, all right. So, I mean, okay, but before we kind of talk about where things are going, anything else from the episode that we have not talked about that y'all wanted to talk about? I like the 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 blasters. These are kind of like AR-15 blasters. And T-Bob, you knew which ones they were, the yes. ones they saved them. Yes. But I think the greater point, is and I think this theme we're now seeing this that's gonna that's definitely happening in our discussion is 
that was a call to a video game, right? T-Bone? Yeah. So Star Wars Battlefront one uh, and two, but you know, I, I loved one. The heroes are still just awesome in it. Um, but that was the that was the base assault rifle for uh, the Republic or for the Rebels. Uh, was that A280C blaster rifle? It's got a great assault rifle feel, but it was so funny because it does have this kind of iconic scoped shape. And like, even the weird part is, it wasn't even just seeing it; it was even when I heard it. And that's a credit both to EA and Dice when they made that blaster in the game, uh, represented, and now uh, Mandalorian, as they do with all of their Easter eggs, really honoring that original um that that original gun so yeah that was that was really cool that was so cool to see so I didn't, is that the first time they've been on screen because i actually thought because it was so seamless i don't know i just assumed that they they've always had that but i guess not i don't think it's in the level of detail that that they did in this but it goes back to what you're always talking about jesse they're uniting the fan base they're right, bringing I, in everything I, look why it, it, there was a time where whether it was KOTOR or the expanded universe where the the canon movie only fans would just kind of thumb their nose at all yes. these other yes. Um, yes. like yes. whether what mediums right like whether it was Definitely. video games whether it was books novels and i think that they're the, the producers and the people that make the money making decisions at disney are starting to see these ways to I've got a really good customer base. Why don't I bring them in with, you know, legitimizing how they play, came into Star Wars or stuff that they liked that Star Wars did outside of the live action big movies. You kind of forget how, how tense that, um, maybe, maybe tense isn't the right word, but just like contentious that people were over what was right and what wasn't. I mean, even still, you see that big time today with Legends and canon and all that stuff well, yeah well, i mean you're good talk it, about it's, sequel it's, children it's, for, it's it's ultimately this content that some of these folks have created for star wars that was considered not canon is really good stuff and you've yeah. got to acknowledge that and acknowledge i mean i think the mandalorians i mean these they're really cool this is a great um part of star wars to build out on yeah and and i just think it's awesome i think that those guns were were awesome they were lighting up those uh those spiders do we know where yeah they, they were great shots right i mean they were not they were not missing the opposite of stormtroopers no, awesome. and feloni got to shoot a blaster i mean in <laughs> what a piece, what a piece like, this guy is amazing if i could be one person um <laughs> Oh wait, 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 Jesse! What were were you? Oh God! Before we were talking about Trapper Wolf again, what what, what point did you just make? Because I had something I wanted to jump off of from that. that they've kind of united these these fan bases. That oh, okay. Taking. When was so? When was the first mention of a Mandalorian? Is it Kotor? I mean, I I don't know if well, they say anything in the original trilogy, but if it wasn't, then it had to have been Kotor because I, I I don't think they really bring it up in the prequels at all i don't remember ever hearing anything about Django fett being a mandalorian or, or I boba think, i think there's a lot in some of these books and some of the other comics outside of but i'm not that's a good question um you know i think boba fett's the first time we saw one on screen um yeah. 
Well, definitely, definitely, like as far as the armor, right? But I'm, but I'm talking about so like everything else in that original Star Wars, it's so fantastic. It started as just something that looked super cool. Maybe there was an inkling of a story, and now look at what it look at like. That's how iconic a badass Boba Fett's armor design is. Look at where we are now. Look at the butterfly effect of being like designing that costume for that scene in Empire and everything, and then look at the Mandalorian show as it exists now and everything that it means. Uh, that's great like the 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 implications of that are just so (laughs) it is kind of wild to think about right it's just badass design dude it speaks to us um this says mandalorians debuted in marvel's star wars number 68 the search begins when boba and finn shasa are among the super commandos official protectors of the planet of mandalore is Finn the most common name in Star Wars lore? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I mean, whatever. Right. I don't want to read all this just right now, but but it's an interesting question. We'll have the answer for it next pod. Yeah, we'll brush up on our history um, of the Mandalorians, but well, like of like it's kind of like it's kind of like their meta history, right? Like 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 where were their original seeds sown in the lore? Like like Nick has a very firm grasp. I feel like on the. Mandalorian Kotor history. You've got a super firm grasp, Jesse, on all the Mandalorian animated history. Um, so, so yeah, and yeah. While, well, while but and, and I'll try. I'll try to look it up for next episode. Yeah. All and right. While, while well, the uh, oh, go on. I, I had one more thing to add. Uh, before, like a little Easter egg. While Kotor was still kind of fresh in the conversation, the planet that they're trying to get to, uh, and this is me. Uh, Nick Ashton trademark uh, Kotor forced reference every episode, but well the Kotor the, uh, correspondent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The planet that they have to get to in uh, that the frog lady has to get to is called Trask, and that is uh, the name of the first character you meet in Kotor. Uh, uh, the first character you meet is Trask Olgo, and he, uh, as you may remember, saves your life by sacrificing himself to Darth. Uh, Bandon, uh, which is I, I struggled for his name because people in the Kotor groups call him Dark Bandon or, <laughs> or Dark Brandon or something. Dark so I, I always have to struggle for that name. Uh, well, I will say this: Trask is also the name of the Florida quarterback that just wrecked Georgia. So think about that. As it's facts. Uh, and speaking of Trask, this is perfect, Nick. A perfect segue because I want to talk about where we are going. And we are quite literally going to Trask. Jesse, what do you think we will find when we reach Trask? I think we're going to get our, our big bite of the storyline moving. Um, and I, if you saw the trailer, uh, he lands on this kind of water-based planet in, in you know, like a ship, marina-type harbor. And there's a you know, a mysterious hooded woman who is kind of staring at him from behind a cargo uh, crate. And then you look back over and she's gone. And in the trailer, you don't really know anything about it because you don't know where they are. But when they're getting off of this ship, I saw the frog lady. The frog lady is in that trailer. So I'm assuming that that is where they're getting off. And that is where we may meet our or Bo-Katan, or our Sabine Wren. And I've already kind of predicted I think Ahsoka's coming episode five, but um, I'll put that on the record right now. We got we got to jot that one down. Well, and it does, but yeah. I mean, it, it is all lining up for a big 
kind of main story episode, or at least a big piece, right? At least a big bite, because you have had the two kind of creature features. We've been reintroduced to Mando. We really understand his evolution more now, like we've talked about in terms of the man that he has become. We've, we've, we've reinforced and we now better understand his relationship with baby Yoda. So yes, like now it is time. We've seen the links he's willing to go to right on this quest. And so now it's time for the quest to take a step forward. I think you're definitely, uh, like we said, she probably has definitely got implications next episode, but where that takes us after that is what I'm really excited to see. I wonder if she's like former empire on the run, has some information that they need about the first order. Like, something she's just too skilled man she's too skilled yeah. like she she knows she does too much like i feel like that isn't just a convenience for convenience sake for episode two of season two like I and feel why like would she to. know why would she know where mandalorian would be right like if you yeah. know if you have information on mandalorian jesse what do you think are you in like a cd like you gotta have, be in a little bit of a cd business oh yeah and and well they in multiple times in history as they've kind of in the, of their history they've been disbanded They've gone on to work these kind of like odd jobs, mercenary, bounty hunter. So they're always in the in the grimy places of the of the galaxy. Dude, they're kind of like uh, Thor and, and his company in The Hobbit. Uh, maybe not in the movies as much, but like you know, in the book, the 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 dwarves are people scattered to the wind, and that whole thing is them like regaining their culture and their glory as they're like having to do these odd jobs to get by and. And sooner or later, we're going to have to get, not maybe us, but Mando and the team, and, and we're going to have to get a Yoda wrecking. Somebody's going to have to end up recognizing this species and and teach yes. them a lot about Yoda and or about this species or well, recognize that this is one of Yoda's kind. And I think that's right. going to happen soon. We'll get, um, I, I mean, surely we'll probably get that species and planet named for the first time in this series. Would you all agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I would too. What do you think, Jesse? Do you think they name it? Yeah, I think we're going there. I think we're headed to learning a lot about the origins of of a Yoda or his species, and and it could be sooner than later. I think that Mando at some point is going to have to understand the gravity of what of of what this child really is. Yeah. Okay, that's got to happen, and it's and I think it's going to happen soon. To to what extent does he already? Do you think? No, I think he knows. Holy crap! This thing has got it is really strong and really powerful, and I've got a deep seated connection with it. I don't think he understands that it may have produced the greatest Jedi of all of all time, and and come from some sort of force wielding species unlike any other. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't even really know about Jedi, which again is. It, that that's a very post prequel world thing where he would have grown up in a world where the Jedi were not widely known. Right. And weren't like uh species kind of spread throughout the galaxy. They would have been the stuff of legends and very. Well, and I love this idea of chosen one and Star Wars does a good job of this game of Thrones. The books did a great job of this, you know, until they stopped writing them, but that's just a bitter comment there. But, um, <laughs> They create a lot of – they use the chosen one, but then they create a lot of characters where you're like, oh, wait, is that the chosen one? Yeah, is that yeah, the chosen yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, so you you may have thought it was Jon Snow. You may have thought it was Daenerys. You may have thought it was Arya. You could have thought it was Sansa or Bronn or any of these folks. 
And it's the same thing with Star Wars. Is it Luke? Is it Anakin? Is it, you know, Leia? Is it this freaking baby Yoda? I mean, we are, we have learned one thing that they're doing, and I think they're doing this to separate from the confines of the Skywalker saga, is just because Luke blew up the Death Star or Darth Vader killed the uh, the Emperor, there is still a shit ton more uh, uh, galaxy out there that needs some fixing, right? I mean, it just doesn't snap its fingers and end. And so I think they're making you aware of that as the fan so they can build out these new storylines. This is where, if you wanted to, you could give all the Last Jedi fans what they were missing so badly from Luke Skywalker. This is where you can do your Luke Skywalker superhero content, not necessarily in The Mandalorian, but in this time period. Now, who plays a young Luke Skywalker? Do you go animated? I don't know, but like surely... They eventually have to do something like that. Well, in, nice. type, in terms of uniting the clan, the saltiest fan base of all, and might be the largest, is the Luke Skywalker fanboy that wanted to see their their moment in the sun yeah. of him just being all powerful. You yes. know, and they never got they never feel like they got it. Well, they never some feel like say, they got it, but they did do what he pulled yeah, in the last Jedi was all powerful, dude. Who else could do that? Hold to the Who else could do that? Uh, no, nobody. And I still hold to the theory that Broom Boy is the real hero of the Star Wars universe from the end of episode eight. So I can't. I, I, we, I, we, I, okay. Speaking of bitter comments, I I just still can't believe that in Rise of Skywalker, the ships are not united and rallying like that. The galaxy is not rallying around the sacrifice of Luke Skywalker. Uh, well, whatever. I I can't go there again. Um, it's fine because. <laughs> Jesse, you said who's the chosen one? As Star Wars tells us, it's Palpatine. It's always Palpatine. In the yeah. end, everything is Palpatine. <laughs> but we're gonna enjoy the journey to get there. Damn it! Um, <laughs> the real chosen one is the friends you make along the way. Okay, so uh, look, I, I think that uh, I mean I don't think that I have much more to add except that I have really I find myself nerding out over this like something I haven't nerded out over in years. And I'm really loving it. I love rewatching it three times every episode. So it's fantastic. And I hope we can keep it up. And it's come at such a fantastic time. Like the last thing I want to do right now is listen to the radio or watch TV. I have all, I'm all in on jumping all into Mandalorian in the star Wars universe. It is a very good, uh, you know, escape for the, from from the grind of the daily life yes it's been that way for i think in 19 for me it was kind of like the cherry on top of like the perfect semester of my <laughs> life where it was like lsu football working on otb and then that and then now it's kind of like my like saving grace and the absolute whatever the heck's going on nowadays i mean you're right lsu bama got done i'm just ready for uh I'm just ready. I'm looking more forward to the Mandalorian on Friday than anything else. Yeah, and now we don't even have to watch Alabama kick LSU's ass on Saturday. So it's like <laughs> instead you can just watch Mandalorian again. That's awesome. <laughs> and the and college game day from from the Masters is going to be special. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm going to watch some of that. All right, Nick. I think that's it, man. Take us out. All right, guys. Well, we are so happy that you could join us along this recap of the Mandalorian. Season 2, Episode 2. Guys, we are so thankful again for you guys being here. 
Follow us on Twitter at For Mandalore Pod. You'll catch all the updates there, whether it's tweeted by there or retweeted by there. You're going to get all the updates there. And again, guys, we hope to see you back next week as we recap Season 2, Episode 3.